bearer. I've known a few writers who were rogues and vagabonds. And I'm Roger Moore. I didn't supply the microphone. Oh, yeah. Live from the gleaming, streamlined, state-of-the-art studios, an example to the entire broadcast industry. That, that, that it is. It is. Yes. We have busloads of broadcast professionals begging to drop by and see our stupendous arrangements, but we don't allow people to come in here. <laughs> we know you can't see it. Our chief engineer doesn't exist. Yeah. The Don Winget, I think. The hell are you talking You about? know, I always wondered, is, was it Winget or Winget? Winget. Okay, because some people call him Winget. Yeah, well, they were wrong. That was an engineer that we uh, we had at our uh, feet at KYX in Seattle. KYX. We also had William J. Wolfenbarger. Jeez. <laughs> oh, William J. Wolfenbarger became... Chief engineer by passing the soldering test. <laughs> Is that what happened? Yeah, that's what I said. Uh, <laughs> I'll be seeing them all in a couple weeks. I'm having lunch with all those characters on August 3rd. God willing. August 5th. God willing. God willing, I'm still alive. Welcome to True Crime Uncensored. I am the legendary Burl Bear, Howard Lapidus, manager of the star and every burglar in the world, worth his salt. I don't know where they get that expression from. Where, where is that from? I don't know. Salt wow, was salt. a commodity because of its uh, value, value, uh, preservative seasoning. But you know what, Mark? We really didn't want to know. No, in fact, you're below the salt. Yeah. I think someone asked him, didn't they? <laughs> I, I, I did. But it was I more heard we weren't serious. Oh, that's it. Uh, that's like when people want an answer to an important question, but they don't like the answer. They just go, I wasn't serious. I didn't really want to know. Speaking it's like of serious. Yeah. Hey, uh, why are we here? Why are we here? Damn if I know. To carry forward an ever-advancing and ever-progressing civilization on Earth, of course. Uh, And to learn from each other in peace and brotherhood. A little grandiose for this little show. Yeah, to make as much money as possible so we can take all that money with us after we die. (laughs) Good luck with that. Yeah. You ever see a Brinks truck follow a guy out to the graveyard? I don't think so. Who said you can't take it with you? Someone who obviously tried. I'm assuming you have a guest, and that guest is on the phone. Yeah, they're on the phone. Same guest we tried to have uh, last week at the same time, but uh, our chief engineer wasn't Don Winston last week. <laughs> you got that right. It wasn't William J. Wolfenbarger. Yeah. It was Magic Matt Allen. Yeah. He was uh, testing his electrical chops. So we say, which which means we do have one of our f- most favorite guests. Of all one time. of our favorite yes. guests. I like about well, true crime is that we not only talk to true crime writers. I bet I can guess who this is. I bet you can guess too. Yeah, because it's uh, you say your favorite, but your only guest. <laughs> yes, it's uh, the man who taught Roger Moore how to ski. Did you know that? Is that true? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's cool. He taught. He was in Switzerland at the world's most expensive boarding school. Am I correct, sir? World's yes. most. Ex- and how, yes. how did you wind up teaching Roger Moore to do downhill skiing? Well, thank you, guys. I'm honored to be back. Uh, can you, a continuation from last week. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a pleasure for me to tell you all these details. Um, Roger Moore, I bumped into him. Um, I didn't know it was Roger Moore until he came into one of my ski lifts and he removed his uh, ski glasses and his hat and it was fucking Roger Moore, man. <laughs> like, you know? Yeah, and he had uh, uh, the birthmark on the side, you know, that's uh, 
raised, and you can, you know, it's, that's the man, 007. While, while, during the time that he was making James Bond movies, so 97, I mean 87, I'm sorry, 87? Yeah. I, I think he was, or he was on his way out, basically. I think Timothy Dalton took over then, but uh, we have to ask uh, Mark C.G. Boyer uh, uh, to fact check that. But, uh, yeah, so anyway, it doesn't matter. It was Roger Moore, and uh, I just recall I fell in love with the movie Octopussy uh, growing up, Maria. and he, he wasn't my favorite James Bond, you know, because Sean Connery filled that position. Um, but I felt that he had the most enjoyable time being James Bond uh, as Roger Moore because he was such a playboy and he couldn't ski. Oh, my God, he could not ski. And that's what bugged me so much because in the movies... Well, in the movies, he skis like a maniac. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. He looked amazing and and he was snow plowing the whole time and it just broke my heart. It (laughs) broke my heart. He was just an older guy skiing in the Swiss Alps and... uh, uh, you know, much different than meeting uh, my other legends uh, that were involved in ski at the same exact time, and that was Primen Zubrigin, Alberto Tomba. I don't know if you guys remember these names, uh, but these guys were animals in the in the eighties, uh, high ski ranking, um, you know, Olympians and stuff like that. So, yeah, they practiced in this uh, resort that we call Crans. Montana, Crown Montana. Hmm. It's above Sierra Sion. It's in Switzerland. It's around an hour and a half away from Geneva. Probably like two hours away from Geneva. But it's uh, going towards the French, I mean, uh, the, the Italian side, like uh, Lugano and that, that way. Did you see so Sophia Loren while you were there? Who? Sophia Loren? Yeah. No, she lived there. She lived, she actually, you know, you know, funny that you say her name. She lived in every place that I frequented. Uh, there's one place in the Adriatic called St. Stefan. I'm sure, uh, I'm sure Howard Lapidus knows St. Stephen and Dubrovnik and that whole Adriatic coast because he comes from that country. Uh, so do I, uh, and uh, and it's so beautiful there. The Adriatic coast is amazing, and it's uh, frequented by a lot of celebrities uh, way before it was known to be a, you know, a resort. And uh, you know, I grew up uh, going there every summer. Uh, I used to frequent the Croatian coast, uh, the Montenegrin coastline. You you don't want to go to the Albanian coastline, trust me. <laughs> but uh, the Montenegrin coastline was beautiful, uh, just as beautiful as Greece is. And you guys are all familiar with all the islands that they have in Greece. Saloniki, mm-hmm. uh, Thessaloniki, all these little islands. There's hundreds of them, hundreds of little islands. And it's the same in the former Yugoslavia. They, on, on that uh, Adriatic coast, because it, it splits between Italy and uh, the former Yugoslavia. And what, what do you have? The Adriatic. Vacation paradise. Yeah, it's paradise. It's absolutely paradise. And uh, and this is why I say those people that come from that land are ancient people. And there's so many Roman empires that were built on top of that. And it's like, it's paradise in Europe. And everyone wants to get a piece of uh, the Balkans. And, yeah, what's, that? Uh, what's the deal with that? Why are the Balkans always agitated? Is well, it? the Balkans, Balkans are agitated because of the setup uh, that was situated after World War II, yeah. as Yugoslavia was, you know, I mean, former Yugoslavia was one of the allies 
of the United States and Britain. And, right. Uh, why and why was Congress. Britain so hot on sticking what's his name in there? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that, that, that's something, Tito. They wanted Yossi Broch Tito uh, to uh, take over and regulate, uh, you know, the whole country, which he did. And it was a sole independent communist country, which pe people don't understand that he tied, he cut his ties with the Kremlin and, and uh, Khrushchev a long time ago. They, were, they had a spat with each other, and they, were, they wanted to kill each other. They tried to kill each other multiple times. And uh, there's so many rumors about the stories between Josip Broz Tito, Marshal, he was the Marshal, mm -hmm. um, and that's a, what do you call it, a dictator, basically. Yeah. You know, if you declare yourself the leader for, for life. Yeah. You know, Unless you have you a short lifespan, you're going to be in charge. Yeah. Well, he had, he had good connections with the uh, United States and Great Britain, but the guy before him was Draža Mihailović which was the person that was most celebrated Serbian hero and nationalist, and he was on the front cover of Time magazine. And he's a partisan. You heard of the partisans? Of yeah. course you have. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they, they, fought, they fought Germany. They fought Nazi Germany, to, you know, tooth and nail. And, um, yeah, we but, need them now. <laughs> Send them over yeah, here. It is, yeah, whatever it is, like, listen, Serbians were never liked people. Uh, we were always labeled uh, just wrong. And uh, look, Nikola Tesla oh, comes from it. there. Love Tesla. Game over. Game over. That's it. I don't have to say anything anymore. All right? Because everything we know today with technology comes from that man. And that man lived the, down the block from where my father was raised. And it's unfortunate he got so, so And also, Novak Djokovic, number one tennis player in the world, just won Wimbledon. We have to give props to this uh, this uh, uh, genius, this uh, tennis playing genius, and uh, these are the good things that come from Serbia and and, and myself. Of course, that comes I right come at the top of the list. But I was I was I was the first one born in New York City. The first during what? a time that was that that became turmoil in my life because I caught that the. The can I say it? the shitty end of the stick, basically. And while my father cruised without ever getting arrested, without ever he lived the life of like James Bond, and he made it. Like he actually did it. While I had to suffer in con solitary confinement and prisons for 21 years of my life. Like that's, that's so. So how part. did your how did your father get away with all that? I don't know. I don't know. He, he, you know what? But let me explain something to you. Like, if if I told, uh, I, you know, when I when they when they grabbed me in the feds, they they wanted to uh, convert me into a, a person to give information, a confidential informant or a rat or whatever they call it, and I spit at them. And if I did take that, there would be over three hundred people in prison today, convicted. Like, you know, because my evidence, I was, you know, I, I did things with certain people and. I would have put everybody in jail if I, if I turned. So thank God. Thank God I didn't. And if I did, I would have to also turn on my father and mother, right? Yeah. Because you can't hold anything back. You see, that's the whole thing with these feds. When they grab you, you have to say everything that you ever did. And if they find out that you lied, they pull your deal, and they give you your 25 to life or life sentence back, and they stick you back in, in uh, you know, in the... Uh, Right. In the institution, and you're labeled real good. And it's going to be extremely hard for that person to have a, a good bid and survive. So what I did, I just shut my mouth. And at that time, when I was younger, uh, and, and look at all the fame and 
stain that I would have found if I took that path, like Henry Hale or something like that. I'd have been making movies a long time ago. But why would I want to have a, a label like that when I was raised, you know, to uh, run from people that are destructive? You know, and, and that's the only thing that I'm saying, that I chose a different path, and I don't think a lot of people would take that path if they were thrown in the same situation that I was. You know, unfortunately, I don't wish my enemies to go to prison. I really, I just, you know, that's not part of my legacy. My, my legacy is part of the hundreds of heists that were successful and the thousands of attempts that we did in uh, Manhattan. Uh, that, that's my legacy. And a lot of front page, uh, front page newspapers that, uh, that exist. And that, it was just like some out of the movies, said the policeman. Yeah, I'm glad that we have a full hour because I have so much excitement and fun for you guys. I'm not going to let you talk at all. And, and because the, the reason is, you know what's happening next week? Dallas, August 3rd, I'm going to be with uh, Karen and Michael Bivens at the Psychedelic Robot and Lounge um, at 300 Crescent Court. This is in Dallas. And I can't wait to get there. So that's next week. And uh, that's going to be uh, uh, such a, uh, I mean, that, that, this is an experience I have been waiting for. Uh, to get introduced accordingly and properly to the art community and people that that uh, that are in that world, and I'm excited. Oh, I bet you're excited. All right, and we also have Sean, uh, Sean Sullivan, yep. from Layer Cake, New York. He accepted to do the book cover for uh, for Burl and uh, for, for our project, which is, I mean. That's so Warhol-esque. Yeah, Can we say that? Andy Warhol did the cover for Leslie Charters' Saint book, The State in Europe. This is this is amazing. Like so I, it's I kind of the, the equivalent. We're 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 going parallel with these with these legends, and you, bro, are the legend of all legends. <laughs> I'm not joking because you are not only our elder, but you've been there and done that. You know, and uh, you are you. You need to be celebrated. You really need to be celebrated, and hopefully you will get your chance after this project that we've been doing for a really long time. And uh, I think it's going to bring a lot of joy and excitement. A new leaf in Hollywood. What does Howard think? Howard's right here, and he's looking pretty cute. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Howard? I'm pretty, pretty excited like about it, to be honest these, with These guys are radio legends, by the way, uh, and uh, I just love that, uh, that I'm getting this opportunity and, and chance for, for people to listen to me. Yeah, and, should, uh, you should feel lucky that you have this. Um, I love you guys. You don't know how lucky. I'm very lucky. No, and, 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 um, as are we. You know, I'm kidding around. Speaking of luck. Yeah. Speaking of luck. Um, looks like this is really going to be our year. I'm not joking around. So many positive things are happening. And uh, I said, seriously, all the poisonous people are just falling off. You know, they're just falling off. They're detaching themselves from me, and they're going as far as possible. And uh, this is a good thing because, well, haven't we been going hard at this for a long time, chipping away at this same stone? Yeah. This marble, it's it's heavy. It's heavy yes, marble, and it's never, never, very it's boulder up the hill <laughs> forever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but we we are bringing something out that's that's going to be a masterpiece. Can I say that? Is that possible? I mean, is that too much? That's I think we can just, we, we decide once it's out. Once it's out? 
Yeah, that's when we. Make uh, I'm waiting for your. I'm waiting for your two cents in, in this, and, and for you to evaluate what Burrow, what Burrow Bill, uh, And you'll get that. Uh, pens. You'll get that. Because he really did take the experiences from the horse's mouth, because I was there from the beginning to end. And this is why the story is sensational, and I'm glad I never sold it to anyone. I'm, I'm glad I, I kept it in my pocket uh, these years. And uh, yeah, I'll tell you so what the real can... key thing is in the true tell crime me, world is your mother. Uh, uh, because you know, a lot of people buying true crime, no matter what it is, is a very female-driven genre. And the fact that your beautiful, gorgeous, and intelligent mother... Uh, who is very photogenic and very lovely <laughs> and smart, uh, appears throughout the book uh, giving commentary and being the central character, uh, really gives us uh, something unique and wondrous. Um, thank you. That's so nice. Uh, she is a wonderful woman. Uh, she raised me, and she was probably the best part of my life. If I didn't have her guiding me each and every way, you know, I, I would I would have wound up so much worse. And, uh, and, and she was also in the same position that I was, okay, because my father was so strict in the way he ran his uh, empire with an iron fist. Um, he was a very serious person. He wasn't uh, a type of guy to joke or play around. He was extremely serious. He was an extremely serious cat. And, um, you know, as I said, he was the best partner and thief I ever encountered, the best teacher, the best uh, mentor, criminal for criminality, and, uh, and I learned a lot. The guy was filled with knowledge. He was very well read. He spoke uh, maybe four or five languages fluently. German was his first language. Uh, he never planned on coming to the United States. That just happened uh, through uh, a Jewish organization, and he found himself in New York City. And he didn't know how to speak English. He didn't know how to order a pork chop, you know. And he points out a picture, and he gets it with applesauce, and he couldn't digest that because it's not his palate. And, you know, so it, the guy just had to go through trials and tribulations to learn his English. He was going to Columbia University at nighttime while he worked uh, numerous of uh, jobs, low-paying jobs, because what can you get if you can't speak English, right? Worked at an airport, cleaning bathrooms, you know, or something, and uh, or janitor, you know, until he learned English. And then he was uh, on his way, man. He became extremely successful because he was an honorable, good-looking, uh, he was a great dancer. He took up ballet when he was young and a classical piano. And uh, why? Because my grandfather was a, a five-star general and they, they were raised in that Vienna, Austro-Hungarian Empire and they had this, you know, uh, it was just, you know, these guys were, they were on another level. And yes, when he came like here, the, the, he associated with equal-minded individuals that had a little criminal mentality and they just did wonders to New York. It was, it was, an, it was, it was truly artistic, I believe. Yeah, I thought it was uh, pretty amazing, and uh, I always wanted to figure out exactly how this worked. That by the Not time you were uh, by the time you were arrested, and you were arrested in your father's office. I was a knucklehead. Yeah, I was a knucklehead. I shouldn't have never been arrested. But being that I was such a knucklehead, and I mean, what do you do when when you give a sixteen-year-old kid a million dollars, right, in Manhattan, uh, to do whatever God he knows, wants? To God do. knows what's going to happen there. 
Well, you know what's going to happen. Just look at anybody. Any, anybody's career that starts off at that age with a tremendous amount of money, and with money comes power, not necessarily respect, but I earned my own respect because I did things uh, not according to what my father wished, but uh, even bigger so, even more so. He said, don't use a gun. Don't do heists with guns and firearms. What do I do? I shoot up the whole place, you know. I even though it was blanks, I still used a firearm. I could have got killed. The French police could have shot me up. They, they could have thought it was real, right? I mean, you, you don't know. They don't know you have blanks, yeah. You know? I mean, I went in there uh, uh, making it like it was real. And uh, I acted and did everything like it was a real firearm. And it worked. And there you go. That, that's, I mean, we use blanks. So what happens if they weren't blanks and somebody got hit a ricochet or something it happens so yes my father is absolutely correct i put myself in these bad situations because i wanted to make a name for myself uh and i didn't need to because i had it all i was a millionaire at 16 i always had access to the vaults to the diamonds to all the everything that we ever stole i had access to it all i had keys every safe deposit box and I didn't need anything extra so why why was I doing this why was so, I constantly getting in trouble over and over again because I was influenced by outsiders and other knuckleheads so, you know, so, you're, knuckleheads. so you're 16 years old you got a million dollars yeah what's the first I thing I didn't get arrested until I was like 23 I mean I didn't do okay. a bid until what's, I was what's 23 the first thing you did? I was in and out of jail you got all this money the whole time back up bunch yeah. you got all this money what did yeah. you, you start to do with it the money? Yeah. I was buying art. I was going out to nightclubs. I was renting yachts. I was going to Europe. I was, I was doing everything that you ever wanted to do. Like, you know, because... Yeah, do money. I, I traveled uh, extensively. <laughs> My passport was fully uh, booked. Like, you couldn't... There was, no, there was no place to put a stamp on it. All right? And I was used to doing this since I was a kid because since I was a child, I was going to Europe since one. Since age one, I was flying to... Uh, uh, Europe, back and forth. Every year we used to go to Europe and visit my grandparents and my mother's family, and I just got used to flying. And then when I went to boarding school in Switzerland, I used to fly, check this out, Flight 111, the one that crashed and went down in Long Island. I used to take that flight more than anyone. Uh, every three months, I used to stay home for two weeks and then take the same flight, 111, back to uh, Geneva, Swiss Air. And uh, that was my my, my regular uh, my, my regular itinerary for the for four years straight, and then the plane went down, which is crazy. Good thing you were. So out. all I'm saying is that there's a lot of things, obstacles in my life that would prevent me from even speaking today, especially the 16 years of prison. A lot of people don't survive one year or two years of prison. Forget about 16. You know, like it's just a, a no good, broken place. And just the fact that I, I could communicate with you guys is, is a miracle. How is it you survived in there? Well, I survived because, um, I mean, you know, there was these old prison rules that were instilled, and I learned them very fast because I was schooled by these old uh, gangsters from Rikers Island when I was 16 and 17. You know, I was thrown into, um, with, I was thrown in with adults. And I was only 16 and 17 because my ID said 23 years old on it. So I was thrown in with, you know, adults. And thank God I was never, 
you know, uh, raped or, uh, you know, subjected to that type of, uh, you know, atmosphere. Uh, I was a warrior. I went to war school, basically, in that time. And, uh, you know, I, I learned how to fight well with the hands. And, uh, you know, just being a, a stand-up person, having heart. And, uh, you, um, you know, doing what needs to. to be done at all times. <laughs> so, you know, I would always, uh, whenever, whenever there was something that had to be done, I, I sometimes even volunteered because I, I, w I wasn't uh, black or Spanish, so I was like the minority in prison. And uh, I Yeah, but you did my, pretend that you were a Puerto Rican gangster for a while. Well, yeah, and in the beginning, of course, yeah. yeah. You know, I didn't, I, if, I mean, if I don't say something, I don't have to say that I'm Serbian or I don't have to say anything. That, that's what people think. Mm -hmm. They assume immediately that I'm from I'm New Yorkian. You know, so I, I went with that. I spoke Spanish fluently and... And I, I just, I was like a chameleon. I learned how to uh, blend in and, and survive. And this was the education that I got from my father raising me as a thief. And his whole entire uh, premise was for me to be this, like, super thief. That he could push the buttons and get things done the way he would want them. He wanted a custom-built son. Yeah, exactly. He made a Frankenstein thief, basically. But, you know, I, I just went to exclusive schools in Switzerland, so I did have the finer things in life. Yes, I was the, I was the son's boss. My father wasn't just a regular worker. He didn't work for the mob or anything. He just wasn't a, he wasn't a regular criminal. My father was the boss, and he was the boss of, of the other bosses. So that explains that, and I'm his son. So that automatically makes me an underboss. Automatically. Yeah, but the cool, cool yeah, interesting thing is, is that you guys weren't like a mafia thing where you know you you're in there for life and everybody's killing everybody else. And you know, you can leave any anytime you want. You see, we didn't have an oath, we didn't have a blood oath or anything like that. We just won with our guts, and if you wanted to make money, we would make money. That's all. Just shut your mouth, shut up, make money. If you get busted, <laughs> I would you would guarantee the lawyer, you were guaranteed bail, and that's it. I mean, what more do you want? Like, you're getting everything, and you're working with me. The what a deal. Like, you know, so, you know, you're, you're kind of safe. If my father's controlling the outside, and I'm controlling the inside, and you're with me, all you got to do is hold the bag, and you're going to make a couple hundred thousand dollars tonight, and you can leave anytime you want. I'm not going to hold you down. You okay, know, well, we're going to take a 60-second, we're going to take a 60-second break to count our money. We'll be right back. We cry on uncensored. Smoking, drinking, interrupting obsession with you 24 hours a day on any phone or device. And it's all free. Just go to your friendly app store and search for Outlaw Radio. Then look for the red letters on the sign with the bullet holes in it and download it. It's free. Listen free on the road, in your car, at the beach, or in your backyard. It's all free from Outlaw Radio. This is Buddy Twist. Saying goodnight from Hollywood. And now, back to True Crime Uncensored, formerly it. hosted by Burl Bear and Don Waldman. But Don Waldman is dead. True Crime Unsplintered, Burl Bear and Howard Lapidus. Yes, and we are. Mark C.G. Boyer. 
you know. Him. Yeah, I'm over here. That guy over in the corner with the dunce cap on. Hi, I'm Burl Bear. You should buy all my books. Just put that down on a post-it note. Buy all of Burl Bear's books. Don't don't read them, but buy them. I don't care if you read them, just buy them. Buy them up. Buy them. Buy them. Buy them, read them, believe them. (laughs) That's my latest one. Latest one hasn't available yet. Latest one's called Stealing Manhattan. Uh, that'll be coming soon. That's coming soon. Uh, coming, coming hard. Betrayal in Blue, uh, that's already out. Doing quite well, thank you. Mm-hmm. Buy several copies today. Ken Urell will thank you. It's old Frank C. Gerardo Jr. And as you always say, you don't have to read them. Dory Urell, Dory. Dory, oh, Dory's great. Amazing. She is. Well she brings that book to light. She brings it. She brings it to another level, and she 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 touches on the side of what happens when you're the wife. Yeah, you always wonder that. You know, back that episode uh, that was with her and uh, Ken. It was the best. I uh, loved it. In fact, it has one of the highest uh, audience listening because the title is "My Husband Was the Second Most Was One of the Most Corrupt Cops on the NYPD," and think the title of that alone of the show. In fact, you said, my husband, you know it's a woman. And a lot of women will go, well, what do you do with your husband one of the most corrupt cops in the NYPD? And uh, she's great. And she's blessed with uh, a super, uh, one of my favorite actresses. I'm not going to say her name because there's uh, papers and, and uh, confidential, you know, confidentiality reports signed. But I, I, she scored. She scored big. So congratulations to her. Okay. That's uh, a big, big, I mean, that's a dream come true. Yeah. Well, you wish you'd marry Ken. Who, 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 who could possibly, who could possibly fill my shoes? Who could possibly play me? DiCaprio? Other than Joe Pesci. Other than Joe Pesci. <laughs> <laughs> could, could DiCaprio uh, play uh, him? DiCaprio, no, he's too... Uh, DiCaprio. I don't know. I, don't know. I like cool. DiCaprio. DiCaprio's cool. <laughs> I like that guy, Tom Hardy. He's pretty nifty. Yeah. I can relate to Tom Hardy. I can see a little bit of myself into him, you know, when he does things like... I, I like I like his uh, I like the way he does things. I don't know, uh, but I'm sure it's gonna whoever whoever fills the shoes they're going to do a fantastic job, and I can't wait for that moment to come. Also, oh, we just passed the ball to Sean Sullivan, nice. Way at Cake oh. Films. Yeah, and uh, let's see, you know what? Hey, uh, we have Howard Lapinas. Howard, please make meetings, make contacts. <laughs> we have something fantastic to how bring about, you. Because how about Jake Gyllenhaal? Oh, yeah, he would be great. Oh, my God. He would be amazing. Ooh. Ooh, I think you nailed it in the head with that one. That's, that's, uh, I like him. He's I a like very him versatile a actor. Yes, he is. Yes, and expensive. Yeah. Oh, he can play anyone. Are you kidding me? He can play anyone. He's, he's great. He, he's, he's, uh, I'll say it again. And expensive. And expensive. He is? He's expensive. Yeah, he is. Unfortunately. But, uh, Look, this is something that's uh, that's brewing right now, and uh, you know, I'll tell you, you never, I, we have all these. There's people. You, guys, you got. There's people out there that their careers yeah. are just getting started. If you keep your eye on them, there's a guy now. His name escapes me, but he was in a movie where he played a guy who had this real fat woman uh, in a bed, and people would bet on how long it would take for him to fatten her up to the point where she died. I mean, it's a real weird movie, right? I guess it, Nicholas yeah. Cage? <laughs> and, no, no, Nicholas Cage is weird. But no, this guy's good looking. He's Australian. And he had brown eyes in the movie, but in the after the special features, he had bright right. blue eyes in real life. And my God, this guy, this guy could he's play. Australian? 
This guy yesterday huh. said this guy could play the saint. And this is several years ago when we were casting oh. around for an actor to play the saint. And uh, so I found out his name and I gave it to Bill McDonald. And we were looking into him. He had just been signed by NBC oh. to an exclusive contract to do TV series because they had seen the same movie I saw and went, this guy's got a future. And he's wow. been in, I can't give his name off end, but he has been in several major NBC productions. And he's from Australia, so he has he can do the English accents and all yeah, that. Yeah, 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 sure. Okay, yeah, yeah it's okay. Um, I well, you who can't do an English accent is Keanu Reeves. We have the people, you know, the the ones that we need in the car. I think they're in the car. We have Howard, we have Bill Bear, we have Mark C. G. Boyer, and everybody here. Yeah. At, uh, you know, we we have this, so let's take it somewhere. I think it's going to be wonderful uh, to 2020 coming yeah. forth, and I'm excited. I'm so excited. This is some sensational, here. some really nifty and sensational true crime. It's old school. It's not violent, which is which makes it so refreshing for some reason. I don't know why. Uh, I don't. I hope I'm not the only one that feels that way. Well, you had some pretty heavy violence done to you when you were kidnapped yeah. and yeah. thrown in a bathtub and shot up on heroin. Yeah, yeah, there was a bunch of stuff. Uh, uh, really? That happened? I, I, I don't remember. I don't know. So I don't know where you got that from. But okay, it's in the book. Yeah. Hey, whoever you got that from, I don't know. But uh, there was things that happened to to me that were not fair, and were not. I would not wish them upon anyone. Yeah, I was kidnapped. And I thought I was going to get killed a couple of a few times, and um, it was because I let the wrong people involved, and people get greedy. People get greedy. That seems to be the underpinning of a lot of the greed. problems. Is greed. Greed, greed is a, a, a it's, it's, it's a it's a heavy um <laughs> that's a heavy heavy number on anyone. Greed. So no, all, all the things you've done. I mean, I mean, greed has motivated you, correct? No, I was never motivated by greed. You see, I was motivated motivated by the life. I always had money. Why? Why? I you know, like I always had money. on Howard. I was never broke. And. Uh, I always had whatever I wanted in my life. I mean, you just loved you look like your dad. Yeah, you you mean, loved doing on. it. Like, you know, I wasn't supposed to go to jail. I was just, I was supposed to uh, go to uh, a list college, you know, Amy College, and uh, and have a career somewhere. Or I wanted to be an artist, and I couldn't. That was not a possibility ever. And I was strong. I was strong. Uh, if you if you see a child at five, six years old picking up paint and and making murals. You're gonna you're going to focus on the strengths of that child. You're not gonna take you know take him away from it and turn him into a criminal, right? So there, that's how I feel about it, and that's why I have a, I'm very sorry when when my when my father, Mr. Stan, comes up. As far as a thief, I don't think there's anyone better than him. And whatever and what he did and what he started is something so phenomenal and sensational. It, it's never been done, and it will never be done ever again. What's the difference was, between What's the difference between your father and number two? Well, my father stuck to the program. He never veered off. Uh, you know, he never did the things that I've done. He wasn't bad as I was. He was actually a saint when it comes to crime. Uh, the, the least amount of hell my father should endure, he should endure because he's, he did it in the way that it, it just, people profited off of his crimes. He actually made people rich, wealthy, overnight. Because he stole 
the right way. And he had this plan or this agenda. And the way he did it, he I, I seen the, the, the skyline of Manhattan rise and go up. I mean, uh, it's amazing. I can't explain it to you, but I've seen it. I've seen my father made so many people millionaires overnight. Just for buying or investing with my father, you know, there was something special there. What, what do you think? That didn't, the apple didn't fall far off from the tree because my father was a gambler. He played poker and he did, you know, everything that I've done. And, and he had the same type of luck. Winning hundreds of thousands of dollars, millions of dollars gambling, you know, and uh, that just doesn't happen. You know, like, I don't know, something rubbed off, like a Midas touch or something. Yeah, I don't you know, something you won $1.4 million two years in a row. The Hard Rock Casino there. No, it went way more than that. What are you kidding me? That's what was <laughs> that, that that's what was reported. Um, I paid taxes on one point eight for four years straight. Okay, four I paid taxes straight. on it. That means I won probably double or triple. You know, uh, because sometimes I don't play with my card, so it doesn't register the money that I'm spending if I'm not playing with my card. And I play a lot without my card. So there you go. That's that, that tells you exactly how much I, I used to carry around two hundred to three hundred thousand dollars in cash at all times because I used to play high limit slots uh, starting from a $100 machine, which is $200 push, or 500 or $1,000 machines. And that's what I used to play. If you're playing a $1,000 machine, you have to play maximum. So it's 2000 or $3,000 a push. And I used to go partners with guys and I hit a million dollars. I hit a jackpot for a million dollars with Sheldon Burnett, this, this, this other gambler from Canada, a billionaire. And uh, we hit a jackpot uh, a bunch of times, 600000 800000 a uh, million dollars a few times. And, and uh, you know, I, I didn't need money. I didn't need to make films or movies or documentaries because my pockets were filled with Benjamins, you know, with cash. I wasn't focused on the book. I wasn't focused on anything until I got kicked out, <laughs> basically. And then the party stopped because they don't want me back in the casino. But I'm getting, I'm getting back. I'm getting back because they just built this new guitar that they've been promoting. It's the Hard Rock in, uh, in Florida, and it's something else. So hopefully I'll be back in a few weeks. Yeah, I thought you said they, they said that it's been long enough that they'll let you go yeah. back. Well, I, listen, I wasted a lot of, lot of, lot of crappy time in, a, in, in, in crappy casinos. You know, it's no, that's not a glamorous life, let me tell you. Okay, sitting in a chair for eight hours playing poker all day, you know, and then breaking even at the end of the night. Not cool. Uh, you know, losing a bad beat or, or whatever. There's no, uh, it's not glorious at all. I mean, if you're playing tournaments and you pay like $5,000 to get in, because that's how much it usually costs, you know, to get like, you know, a few million dollars if you win, those are big tournaments. Those are the ones that you get the bracelet and all that. Those are okay if you have the funds to play it and if you could do it. I mean, well, was, I, was, I was playing what, poker in prison all the time. So what's, what's, the most you've ever, what's, the most, what's the most you ever won? The, on what? A slot machine? A million dollars. Okay, playing cards. Playing cards? Oh, uh, man, like maybe 40000 the most. A bad beat. I hit that the most on cards, hey, yeah. Don't you hit a million on a machine? No, oh, no, on a machine, yeah, you can hit them on a poker, on a poker, on a poker machine. Uh, I was hitting a hundred thousand dollars, easy. But you said you easy. hit a, you hit a million. Where'd you hit a million? I hit a million in uh, in the Hard Rock uh, Casino in Hollywood, uh, Florida, and I know the date. And I don't know the the, the date, but I know that it was like two thousand. Uh, let me see, two thousand and. 
14. So when you hit, hit what, when you hit, what, yeah. what happens? What do you mean what happens? I put $1,000 in, Sheldon put $1,000 in, and uh, and I think, uh, yeah. Well, I put 1500 and he, well, we, we get these tickets. We, we go get $10,000 in tickets, and then we put those in because those are vouchers. And after the third push, we hit, no, the first push, we hit for like 200000 which was like a bar. If you get a bar, just one bar. It's 200 grand. Uh, we cashed that out. We took the 200 grand. We split it, 100,000, 100,000. And uh, then we went back in the machine, like on the third or fourth push, a million dollars. A million dollars. And does the, casino, does the casino stop, or what happens there? Oh, what happens? Oh, my God. Okay, now, what happens is they come to, uh, the manager comes, Sears says, okay, you know, the, because the machine goes crazy. It has this light that goes on, and, you know, there's a jackpot. And you have to call the, the guy that comes pays you, the, you know, the guy that comes to pay you. Um, usually, I always take cash uh, or something like that. I took half cash, half, well, no, we took a check. We took a check, and he paid me because he had, he had like 300 grand, and then he had to give me another 200 grand later on in his room or something. I don't think it was Sheldon. I think it was somebody else, but Tommy Vitas, the guy that won the, the, the $1.8 million in the poker tournament uh, that year or something. But I, I have partners that I play with that also have a tremendous amount of cash, and these guys are gamblers. So we go to casinos, and we go to the highest denomination machine, and we just break it with money. We just stuff money in it. And, you know, whatever it is I have, 100000 I'm going to stick 100000 in there until it explodes. And believe me, it's going to explode. It's going to pay me. It's going to pay me a job, but if it's not rigged and if it's not, uh, you know, uh, regulated, you know, the way the mob was regulated, then it's going to pay. Um, so this casino, what happens, the manager comes, then they call the technician. The technician comes. He opens the machine. He pulls out that kid. He destroys the crap out of that chip. That chip is dead. And he puts a brand new chip in there. Now, the jackpot could hit again, back to back. You can hit three jackpots in a row because these numbers that uh, generate this jackpot are random numbers each and every time you press the, uh, the, the button. And uh, people think like, oh, you know, it's coming, it's coming. No, no. It, it, it's it's going to come whenever it comes. Yeah, you know? the machine has and no memory. <laughs> yeah, but people think it has like a soul or something. It doesn't. It's just a machine, you know? And people think, oh, it's coming. The jackpot's coming. I see it's, you know, like the wheels are lining up. No, it has nothing to do with the jackpot at all. I think that it makes you believe it. The machine makes you believe like you're going to get paid. That's the way it's designed and set up. Um, it's a very technical machine. It's very highly advanced, and it's psychologically uh, attached to your brain. And with the noise and the flashes of lights and the way the reels spin, believe me, this is very advanced technology. I know it looks simple, but they know how to take your money. <laughs> Every last penny, trust me. And um, they don't like guys like me because I come there and I don't believe in anything and I just go max. I'm not scared to put money in the machine. You know, if you go, if you go low, you're never going to win anything because the denomination for the jackpot is much higher when you play a higher denomination coin. So if I'm playing $100 and more, my machine is top dollar. I used to get $100,000 every week on this machine, like clockwork. Okay? Every, every week, 100000 it paid me. Sometimes I had to stick 5000 Sometimes I stick in just uh, 1000 bucks and I get it, which, which are the best jackpots because they're the first two, three pushes, and boom, that means somebody was playing it beforehand and they were losing big money. Yeah. So, you know, you just got to be at the right time at the right place, and, and I was on parole at the time, and I had a bracelet, so I had to be back by 7 o'clock in my apartment. 
and uh, that that caused a lot of pain and anguish because I used to lose <laughs> a lot of money by leaving machines. So, you know, but yeah, it's, totally I'm glad right I'm out right. of that life. Believe me, I'd, I'd rather paint and be a, an artist and uh, make movies and documentaries than, than gamble. It's not, it's, not a, it's not a healthy life, put it this way. Yeah, that's showbiz. Yeah, I don't recommend it to anyone. But as I said, anyone can make a good life uh, going to casinos and using the point system, putting in your card, and getting all the comps and benefits. Because I have, I have um, warehouses filled with presents that are actually very nice. Like they're they're good stuff, like the Dyson and you know top of the line, top of the line stuff, top yeah. of the line, and a lot of gifts. You get a lot of gifts, so you get paid back in different ways. Uh, hotel rooms, uh, oh, yeah. uh, entertainment. So you have to know how to operate with the credit, and uh, it's like Vegas. If you go to Vegas, you can play, and you can get a lot of things comped, and you don't need a lot of money if you're not a gambler, but you need to gamble to get those uh, credits built. So, yeah, and it know. always amazes me, um, between yeah. Barbara and I, when we go to Vegas, we go to Palm Springs, because uh, sometimes I won't use my card, we'll use my card. She always plays the penny slots, right? <laughs> and... Yeah, we wound up getting comp to see this ELO uh, cover band. Uh, it was a great show. And, Tickets uh, alone would cost 200 bucks. So, yeah. like, you know, if you get good seats, you know, and, and, and that's the whole thing. If you get VIP, use the VIP treatment where you can't normally get tickets for, you know, $1,000, they can get them. I used to get all my tennis tickets. What do you think I'm at all the tennis opens? Because that was my, my thing. When they, asked, when they asked me, because I have a black card that's like the highest rating card, and uh, they, you know, whatever I want, I have a concierge, and they say, hey, Punch, what would you like? Uh, and I'm like, oh, I would like tickets for the U.S. Open. Good seats, you know, and uh, those cost $5,000. But, you know, they, they have uh, ways to get tickets. Right. And, I was, you know, I was with my buddy uh, Barry in, uh, sure. in Palm Springs, yeah. and he's got one of those black VIP cards, and he, yes. he, he pumps way too much money into the casino, but they just love him because he got yeah. millions some bucks, so he could afford it, although he's slowing down a bit now. And I went with him in there, and he went to the... Says, hey, I, I, I would like for my buddy Burl here. I want, uh, you know, these tickets, and I wanted to give him, a, uh, you know, the buffet, and give him this, give him that. They just gave I, it to me because he asked him to. You know? Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, it's VIP. It's all VIP, and they really want to accommodate you if you spend money, especially in Vegas. Now here, they didn't treat me uh, that well. You know, there was a lot of jealousy, jealousy going on, and there was other players that didn't want me there that kind of learned the ropes from me, and they're doing the same thing now. And, uh, you know, it just, just people are bad in general and greedy when it comes to machines and casinos, and you're just not going to meet a anybody really good there, you know, basically. So, uh, I stay away from it now. I'm glad, and I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad that I'm, that I experienced that, but I understand what my father was going through because he was playing in poker halls before I was born. And that was his thing. He loved horses, he loved, uh, poker, and he loved casinos. And the casinos loved my father. Back. Oh, yeah, when you guys and, were in New York, I remember the casino would offer to fly your dad. Of course. Pick him up to bring with the, the helicopter or the jet to Golden Nugget, to Tropical, Tropicana, any a Playboy Hotel in Atlantic City. Atlantic City is only like an hour and a half. And we used to get there and get the best shows. I mean, Mr. Stan, Mr. Stan. Oh, that's Mr. Stan's son. 
So uh, I used to get, you know, I, I like to play video games before, um, you know, before I could gamble. So I used to be entertained with playing video games while my parents were gambling and going to shows. And then lunch to life. It was nice. It was very nice. I understand it. But today I choose to, uh, uh, like, I don't run away from the life. I, I don't mind. I would love to go back to Vegas and, and check it out. Just I would prefer to spend my time painting. And you do you know, a fine that's job. just what I prefer. I'll tell you the one that uh, the one you have of the Statue of Liberty money. with her hand over hands over her eyes because she's so upset. You like that? Fantastic. Yeah, I'm gonna make a whole series of that. I'm gonna make a whole series of Statue of Liberties and uh, and oh, uh, I, I I said to you that I was creating a whole entire series, a, st a stealing Manhattan series, with vaults and safe deposit boxes, and uh, with gems, semi-precious stones precious stones we're going to start creating things like uh little statues not little statues uh with lighting and uh, i mean intricate you know art objects that are of tremendous value if you uh, add up all the you know the gold and the, uh -huh. the metals and, and and things that i'm going to be using well, a quick reminder i know you Barbara sent Shea. some i know you sent oh, some sketches Barbara to uh, I know you sent some sketches to my adorable Gmail, which I yeah. can't get into because I can't remember my password. The only bad thing about the surgery I had is it had a general anesthetic, and it kind of wiped part of my hard drive, my memory. So I don't know what hmm. my passwords. So not good. So, but I, no good. but but I can get into Burl at BurlBear.net. So send any sketches, any pictures to Burl at BurlBear.net. Absolutely, because I would be glad. I, whatever I, you already you know what? sent, resend it to Burl at BurlBear.net. Absolutely, bro. You got it. Sketches on its way. And, uh, you know, basically this is what I do, and this is opening doors for me and creating momentum. Uh, and I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm just going to be extremely happy and glad and fortunate and uh, take it with, uh, you know, with, I'm, I mean, I'm just, uh, how can I say, grateful, right? I'm extremely yeah. grateful. I'm grateful to be alive after uh, this procedure that I had, and yet I get so cranky. Oh, no. Not only did I have bank fraud done on my bank account while I was in the hospital, which we're still trying to straighten out, my mm -hmm. laptop died a horrible death. So here's a writer with nothing to write with. <laughs> Unbelievable. God's Bro, we need, to, we need to orientate a show every single day just about your affairs and what, what's <laughs> going on with you because it's, it's, it's fantastic. I love it. Yeah, it's one, one thrill after another. The life, the life, the life, the tribulations in life of Burl Bear. I'm lucky also. to be alive. So I really got no reason to complain. I'm still breathing. Do you know? Do you know when uh, the the lights gonna turn on? When uh, Stealing Manhattan is is on? Uh, when we're watching it? Yeah. When we're watching it, hopefully next year, 2020, and we see our credits and we see our names and we see what we created and what we wrote and what we made, and that would be something. You know, yeah. whatever. If it's a documentary, a short. Uh, I don't care. Anything, <laughs> anything, something. You know, uh, that would be that would be something. I would like that. Yeah. I like indie. I like listen. I like indie uh, movies, and uh, I like uh, con film festival. Uh, I wouldn't mind uh, or Tribeca. I wouldn't mind doing this because listen, we have something that's a history, drama, and uh, crime. True crime. It's historic because it's real. Yeah, it happened like in New York. Sean Sullivan was saying, was even on the show, is if you guys don't tell the stories now, if we don't get these stories down uh, in, in print or, uh, you know, on film or video, they'll be lost forever. You know, that's, of why, course. that's why I tell people, I said, even 
you know, write your family history, even if it's just for your own kids, your own family. So they'll have everyone a has history. Everyone is tied with, with somebody else. And I was explaining to Sean Sullivan, just like Harrison, Harris LaBelle, uh, the LaBelle family. Do you remember I was telling you my father was uh, was uh, doing business with them mm-hmm. when when he first came to the country? Well, I'm doing business with Harrison LaBelle today. Huh. And there's many people in New York. What are the odds of us two doing business today when our uh, forefathers, like, you know, our, our grandparents and, our, you know, like our fathers were doing business, and now we are? No connection. Out of the blue. That's, that's, that's bananas. Like, that, that blows me away. Amazing. And uh, so this means we're all connected somehow, some way. And uh, if you look and, you, and if you search... It, if you come from New York, like Howard, Howard, Howard Lapidus and I are connected because we come from the same country, New York. All right? Yeah. And, and that's our connection. So everyone on Earth is like, what is it, six degrees of separation, yeah, they degrees. call them? Kevin Bacon, yeah. <laughs> who? 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 I don't... Yes, there's a joy, it's a thing called six degrees of Kevin Bacon. That, uh... Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, Kevin Bacon, okay, I got you. Oh, that's a good one. comedian, though. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that is please, true. That please. is true. Are you going to join me in Dallas? Is anyone coming to uh, Dallas? I have. I, I, should say, I, w- I shouldn't say I have to be, but I promise to be in Seattle on August 3rd to visit my son and my brother. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I'll be there the 3rd. On the 8th, which is my birthday, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to send presents, the August 8th is my birthday. I'll either be returning here to shoot some more material for Killer Siblings which is a TV Ooh. show that uh, I just did a bunch of commentary for, and they want me to do some more, and they may fly me back on the 8th to uh, do that. And Not uh, Seattle? Uh, fly me from Seattle back to L.A. and then back to oh. Seattle afterwards, because the 17th to the 24th, my brother and I and our sons are going to uh, Loon Lake, Washington, to go fishing for trout at the place mm-hmm. where we used to go 30 years ago when we were younger. My brother's because sitting like out on the lake when it's late at night, everything looks the same now or 30 years ago. There's no difference. It's like time stands same, huh? still. He says, I like well, that. He says, let's I go like have that. time stand still. So uh, we did. We got our reservations. We rented a house on the lake. And uh, that's what we're going to do. It's a writer's dream. And, and yeah, if I had something to write with. <laughs> the famous writers and yeah. authors. Maybe I'll TV get a guys. laptop for my birthday. Yeah. Who knows? Uh, uh, hey, uh, I have a question. Um, Howard. Yeah, Howard's right here. He is there. Hmm. Huh. But well, the question, the question for was, the question for Howard was, you see the, see the Burl Bear has? That's a writer's dream, a writer's paradise. You know, when you can go out to Seattle and clear your mind and go back and revisit your past. Me, I can't do that. You know why? Because 99% of the guys that I was messing with are dead or in jail buried. They're never coming home. Uh, the other, they're not interested. Like my father, the one that made it, the one that's in Europe that survived, the one that the whole story is about, Mr. Stamp. He's in Europe and he's enjoying himself fishing in the Mediterranean, Adriatic, boating, and doing the things that Mr. Stan likes to do. All right, but he's a legend. Uh, and I'm not going to take away Bro Bear's Bro Bear's legend status either. No, you can't. Bro Bear. We'll, we'll no, let you impossible. take that away. Now, we can take that away. <laughs> you can never take it away because Mr. Stan and Bro Bear are parallel. I'd love to go over there and go fishing with your dad. We are. We are. And we're going to go this. You know what? We're invited. Sean Sullivan invited us to go to Paris. Uh, I believe in a 
probably in a few months. We're going, to, we're going to check and see the dates on the project and see if we can shoot out to Paris and meet Mr. Stan and take some photos. Yeah, that would be fantastic. Hey, Punch, always a pleasure. Great show, Thank Punch. You. Thank you so much. Talk to you Bye. soon. Hey, well, Howard. Hey, uh, hey, Burl. <laughs> yeah. What's next? Magic Man Allen of the Demons of Decadence live in the Lightning Clouds. And I'll already alive.com. <laughs>